Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. We are back on Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow on this Wednesday. I'm Chad Withrow. Jonathan Hutton will be back next week. We've got a special guest in studio in Nashville, 6th and Peabody Studios with Old Smoky Moonshine and Yeehaw Beer. It is Merrill Hodge, former Pittsburgh Steeler, accomplished author, former ESPN analyst. The man does a little bit of everything, and he's helping us out today talking about all the biggest issues out there. Um, ESPN in the news a lot, Merrill, and that, that's a place I know you spent many years, um, and I, I know a lot of people watching now, listening, would remember your work at ESPN. Um, it's a place that has definitely changed over the years. I know you know that firsthand from where when you started and the leadership there to what's going on now, and I, I do think that there has been a bit of a change when it comes to the political slant uh, of ESPN, but the biggest news is going on right now are layoffs. Yeah, and uh, look, Again, there, there are people, you know, Susie Colber yeah, and Susie. Steve Young mm-hmm. and people I know you worked with and know well that are really good. That no one would argue, you know, that they were bad. I mean, some might argue that you know others were bad that were let go. Um, but it is crazy to see some of this talent being let go, and a lot of people want to point to the fact that hey. Um, Pat McAfee is making a lot of money. He was just hired. Could ESPN have maybe saved a little bit on that purchase and kept some of this talent that's been there that's been a big part of ESPN for so long? Uh, Maybe fair, maybe not. Well, Pat McAfee, who is a huge personality and now a big part of ESPN, he tweeted this over the weekend. He said, built on stone. I did a lot of reflecting about our show's journey while I was getting murdered on the internet today. Hell yeah. All roads lead back to how honored I am to be the leader of such a talented group and how lucky I am to be a part of this team. A few missing from this photo. He goes on to say, basement, box truck, world stoppage, you name it, the show rolls on. We're very pumped to be joining ESPN. And our goal is that mass exits are never a thing again. We hope to help that. Obviously, that's a lofty goal, but that's how I truly look at life. I wish we could have worked alongside a lot of the folks that got released today. Some absolute legends that we all respect in the sports media world, uh, we're trending today for losing their jobs. That sucks. No matter how you slice it, we're going to continue to control the things we can control, try to do daily sports coverage in an entertaining and informative fashion, and be thankful for all the opportunities that have been earned through a lot of hard work and commitment from the group of dudes I get to call coworkers. Have an incredible weekend. Cheers from all of us at PMS Live. That is Pat McAfee Show Live. Now going to ESPN. Merrill, I think Pat McAfee's a very talented guy. I think his show is entertaining. I, I agree with him. The way they built it from the ground up uh, is pretty incredible. But I also knew that the moment he moved to ESPN, like it or not, he was going to be viewed as a sellout. Now, that's funny coming from anyone else that doesn't make the money Pat McAfee makes because you probably would have sold out too for the amount of money he's going to make and the lack of headache he's going to have now that ESPN is producing his show and he's not doing it on his own. 
He's not paying for health insurance coverage for his employees, all of those things. So I, while I don't blame him, I knew that this criticism was coming. And now, Merrill, especially when a lot of talent that people have known over the years for a long time that you've known, when they're let go, it's natural for people to point the finger and say, well, this guy's there now and he's making a lot of money. Yeah, you just said it. Well, you point fingers and you cast blame and you make excuses. That is a toxic way to live. Now, listen, this is all... This actually started over a decade ago. Okay, when I first got to ESPN, one of the greatest leaders ESPN's ever had is George Bodenheimer. And I'm going to start and end right there. The whole problem is leadership. And that is where it starts and ends at ESPN. Their leadership is weak. Their leadership is atrocious. And they self-inflicted all of these wounds... I can't remember, it was like almost 15 years ago, we had a talent meeting. I mean, everybody, every sport was there, and they announced how they were going to shift. Right? I remember, I'll never forget the chart they threw up. I think it was 37%. I know it was in the 30s, like 37% built ESPN. Because um, I didn't really understand why we were there, but this, everybody was there. There's 37% built ESPN, they're never going to leave. As soon as I heard that comment, I'm like, okay, that is just a ridiculous way to think of anything thinking that you got something that nobody's going to leave, especially if you're going to change how you're going to approach things. So, like, we built this on these people because we, we taught sports, we entertained sports, we helped you learn about sports. Not going to do that anymore. If you remember, this is when... It's a very know, arrogant way of thinking, too, it, it, that it, you can never do anything well, to turn someone off. Honestly, I mean, arrogant and dumb. I mean, I just... When I'm sitting there, I'm just like, this is not really happening. I mean, that the, the, the makes... Absolutely no sense. So remember when they put Dennis Miller in the booth. Okay, this was part of their thinking and talking. Now, this comes from leadership, okay? This has nothing to do with Pat McAfee or talent. This is leadership. This is what we're going to do. We're going to cross-pollinate sports. Okay, forget about educating people and teaching people. And keep in mind, like, most people don't like a sport or they're not interested in a sport. Why? Because they don't understand the sport. And that's what ESPN did such a good job of. They help you understand the sport. They help you teach the sport. And that's actually, when I was hired, what I was asked to do. Help educate people, teach them the sport, bring them to, into the game so they understand the game better. Okay, now I know I can do that. So we're going to cross-pollinate. People that like comedy and funny, well, they're going to watch football now because we've got Dennis Miller there. As soon as I heard that, I was like, that's the dumbest thing. I don't care if you put Peyton Manning Throwing the checkered flag, I'm not going to watch the Daytona 500. That's a great. That's not, a great comparison. Too. I am not a fan of the Daytona 500. But if you help me understand car racing, like my brother understands it, I don't get it. But because in this actually in this day that they did this, they showed some NASCAR. You know, drafting. When you hear the word drafting, what does that mean? Okay, well I don't know what drafting means. I'm like, what does that mean? Two cars are really close together. That's only visual. You're I only know me. because of Days of Thunder. Okay, the movie. But now, that's it. What the only did, reason I know that. But the, what they did is part of this thing. They're like, well, we're going to add this graphic to show drafting, and you see the flow chart from the colors from the one going over one car into the other. I'm telling you, for the time that they were doing that, I was captivated. I was like, holy cow. Okay. I raised my hand, and I, I just said, you know, I know nothing about racing, but you just helped me understand it a little better by a visual. That helped me. I wanted to watch it because of that. I don't care that you put an NFL player there that's going to drop the check. In fact, that doesn't mean anything to me. Well, we all know what happened there. That blew up in their face because, you know, they, they got accused of scripting all these jokes, and Dennis Miller denied it, and then they forgot to 
killed the mic. He forgot to hit the talk back button. And he's like, um, where are we on the script? I think it was a Hall of Fame game. Okay, so now it's exposed. Everybody's heard it. You scripted it, okay? You can only lie so much. You get exposed for your integrity, and ESPN gets exposed for it. And for not having it is actually what they're getting exposed for. It's better to be exposed for having it than not having it. So they make the shift. That's when they put Ron Jaworski in and John Gruden in. It went back to football. Yeah. You know, and it reset itself. And then after that, when they got rid of Jaws, you know, and eventually, you know, John left, it, 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 they, they made the commitment to this is what they wanted to do. We're going to debate. We want to debate. So you self-inflicted that. You asked to do that, okay? Don't blame the talent. Pat McAfee doesn't have to take the woes for this. This happened years ago. This started years ago. People are being let go because nobody's watching them. The ta- well, what they teach you now, it is eroded. They teach you nothing. They give you nothing. People aren't entertained by that. People don't follow that. People don't want to watch that. People want to learn about sports, be educated on sports. And actually, if you um, – and I just, go, so I just still go back to their leadership. Their leadership is, is weak and atrocious. And all you got to do is go by what they say. Well, this is what we're starting to do. Okay, well, as a leader, I can tell you this, for example. If you're going to establish a culture, then you better enforce it. If you establish it and you don't enforce it, you're no longer a leader. Your leadership is horrible. Yep. In fact, that is the weakest leader that you could possibly have – and then ever since George Bodenheimer, it's been like that, unfortunately. Well, and, and so getting back to that story, it's talking about setting a rule and then not enforcing it on all sides. And with everyone, worst part of leadership you is do that. the Sage Steele dilemma they're in right now. Of course, Sage Steele went on Jay Cutler's podcast, said some things about COVID mandates, uh, said some things about uh, Barack Obama, and was disciplined by ESPN. And ESPN basically said, hey, we're not, we're not a political organization. This is Jimmy Pitaro saying that. So we don't want to talk politics. We don't want people talking politics in their free time or on their Twitter accounts or on other podcasts or whatever it may be. But what they were really saying was, we don't like what Sage Steele is saying. Well, some people will say. Right. Exactly. Just, or the, the say, criticism listen, that she's going to get from certain uh, circles of social media and the media at, at large. So she's going to be disciplined. Right. But meanwhile, Supreme Court makes a ruling about affirmative action and Sarah Spain and Chris Canty and others, they have a similar opinion to what most people in media, what most at ESPN, probably most, and certainly what most in mainstream media would have about this issue. And because they share that, it's not a problem. They're not going to be disciplined at all. And this does, Merrill, go back to if you're going to be a leader, you have to be consistent with punishment. If you're not going to be about political takes – or social commentary, and you want it to be more about the sport, which, by the way, when ESPN was at its most entertaining, I'm growing up with it, and SportsCenter, they were entertaining. They were fun, but it was about the sports. The catchphrases, everything, it made it fun. It made it entertaining. It was information also. ESPN still does a good job producing games. That's what they're best at doing. That's all they have. And showing the live sports. And it's also what people watch, right, are the live sports. But, Merrill, even that during COVID, I'd watch college basketball games, and these crews would be at their separate homes, and they were talking about anything but the game. And I thought that even COVID ruined that in a lot of ways where it got people so comfortable at home that it was like they were talking about anything going on in the games in front of them, but because they're watching it on a monitor, they're not focusing on the game that I'm tuning in to watch at that point. A lot of that stuff is troubling, but I, I kind of agree with you. I think it goes back to leadership, and we're seeing that with this, the reaction to the Supreme Court ruling and the fact that those ESPN employees, they're not being dealt with in any way. Yeah, well, let me tell you this. I, I, I mean, listen, 
weak and they're hypocrites. And that's the leadership that you've gotten there. And all you have to do is look what's going on there. When you lack that inconsistency, look, listen, at the end of the day, ESPN is about what? You, you, you don't know it anymore, but it was all built on and founded on what? Sports. Entertaining and teaching sports, period. You got all other kinds of channels that are political channels. You got options to go through there. Stick with sports. Stick with educating, teach with entertaining and informing. And <clears throat> it's not that dang hard. But they, this is not, okay, for Pat, anybody to point at Pat McAfee, go back to about 15 years ago when ESPN decided to make this shift based on the leadership choices and their leadership direction. Okay, that's where it all went bad. And that's where, and they're paying the price for that now. It has everything to do with leadership. It has nothing to do with Pat McAfee. Zero to do with him. Yeah, and, you know. And good for him. You know what? Good for him that he worked that hard to get that type of show. Good for him. And I think it was also built on, you know, sports fans in a lot of ways as well. Okay. And, and not taking them for you, granted, right? They'll never leave us. I'll never forget. That. Well, yeah, they'll that, never leave crazy. us. That's crazy. And I'm like, wait a minute. You're going to completely well, and everything, shit it, what you did, and you don't think they're going to leave? Everything wow. you talked about with the research you've done around CTE. That would not have been allowed on ESPN. I'm guessing they would not have Absolutely wanted you to talk about that. Every time, every, every time I brought, because they, they have, well, they, Norby Williams was brought up. On, they have a point Nor, of view. They want. They Nor, want Norby shared. had to check out my doctor and make sure my doctor is a three board certified forensic professor. Okay, <laughs> he's the most. He's forgotten more than people that are credentialed in that area know. Okay, he had to go check out my doctor and get back to me. <laughs> get out of here. And, and, you, and, and meanwhile. You bring Dr. Amalo on there, who now is banned from um, every court because he lied and he made he substituted tissue. You let BU come up there. They have changed medical records. They have deliberately done that to get thing get answers to what they want. But they're okay to put on your air. Disgusting. Yeah, it's the double standard that, yeah. that kills Hypocrites, every single time. I'm just telling you, that's leadership. That's all you got to do at ESPN. If the problem that they have today has nothing to do with the talent around there, it is the leadership. Of that organization since George Bolden. I think there's a double standard when it comes to NIL also. And I think Livy Dunn is kind of exposing that double standard. So Livy Dunn, um, you've seen her on this show before. She's a gymnast at LSU. And I did think that when this started, there's going to be a market for the attractive female athlete with a huge social media following to get endorsements and make a lot of money through their name, image, and likeness. What Livy Dunn is doing is, by the letter of the ruling and the law, exactly the pure form of NIL, and that she is making money solely off her name, image, and likeness. She's not making money from LSU to stay on the gymnastics team. They're not paying her to play on the gymnastics team. She's making money while in college because she has an enormous following. And how much money is she making? Reportedly over $500,000 for one sponsored post. On social media. That's what a company pays to get Livy done in a sponsored post. Um, Meryl, it is crazy to think about that level of money that she's making for one post. Well, you know, people ask me about this, you know, um, this NIL deal. Now, they go, you for it or are you against it? Okay, well, I go, let's, let's go back to when I was in college. Okay, now this is a fact. I had a friend who had an academic scholarship, okay? He had an epic academic scholarship and he also had a job. And people could give him money, he could work, and he did not lose his scholarship. Yeah. I had the same, I had the same scholarship as he did, his academic, mine is a, um, an athletic one. But if I go get, if I, somebody hands me $100 and somebody finds out, I lose my scholarship. Illegal. If yeah. I go get a job during a time frame where we're off of football, I lose my scholarship. I needed extra money. I had no money. I didn't come from money. I mean, 
to put people in that, I mean, to be able to have the exact same scholarship opportunity, but to have those handcuffs put on you, I was like, oh, finally, these kids get some money. And when you look at really, you know, especially the big programs, most programs, most schools, what is the driving income force for schools? Football. It's athletics. Yep. Football, really, it's football specifically. Yeah. Football specifically. That drives it. You know, and you 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 handcuff these these kids. You know, they can't get any. You can't get any. Maybe just a few extra dollars to get by throughout the month. Um, I I couldn't be more for it now. In some cases, is it just bonkers now because you got, you know, I've, ta- I've done so much work on this and talk and trying to understand it, you know, and like coaches and administrators say, okay, it used to be, hey, look at our facility. This is what we do education-wise. But it's like, how much? Now yeah. it's like, hey, how much? Uh, well, it's a million. Well, well, we'll get back to you. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's being weaponized in a different way yeah, for pay-for-play, for transfer portal, for a lot of other areas, for sure. But, hey, kudos to Livy Dunn. I think that this is the purest form of NIL and what was intended for it, and she's making a ton of money off her. of it. So more power to her. Clay Travis will have some thoughts on how much Livy Dunn makes per social media post and another, a number of other areas. That's coming up next. This is Hot Mike with Hutton and Whitford. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, The Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. We're back. Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow across the Outkick Network on this Wednesday after the 4th of July. Hope everyone had a great holiday. Maybe some of you are still on holiday right now. Kudos to you if that's the case. We're back at it today. We're back at work. Jonathan Hutton is not. He'll be back on Monday. Merrill Hodge is. He is in studio right now with us in our downtown Nashville, 6th and Peabody Studios with Old Smoky Moonshine and Yeehaw Beer. And uh, Merrill's got... I think the perfect question for Clay coming up. But first, (laughs) we say hello to Clay Travis, our fearless leader, founder of OutKick, who is on the phone with us right now. Clay, we were just talking about this, but Livy Dunn, who you and I have met, she is uh, said in an interview she's making over $500,000 for one sponsored post on social media. Life is good if you are Olivia Dunn right now in 2023. Yeah, look, I think that um, that is emblematic of what we're seeing in general. There's very much like a superstar premium. Um, and, and I would say in the NIL space, she is in the certainly superstar premium category. And then there's almost nothing else, right? Um, there's uh, superstar pay. And then, you know, for instance, I would bet that the entire LSU men's baseball team almost makes less than she does for one post um, and uh, more power to her. Uh, but I, I think that what you're seeing is this idea of, oh, NIL is going to unlock a tremendous amount of income for a lot of people is not necessarily true. It's unlocking high level income for a small number. 
but then most guys aren't going to get very much at all. Um, you know, the quarterback on the, on the football team is going to make a bundle and then everybody else is going to, uh, to, to make a pinprick of that. If you're on the offensive line, for instance. Um, and, uh, and, and so I think that's probably where NIL is going to go. And I also think that as you're seeing some of these guys, not necessarily pan out at the level that they might've been anticipated to, um, I think you're seeing some uh, reticence in terms of multi-year commitments uh, going forward. Clay, I don't think you and Merrill have ever officially met, but Merrill Hodge in studio with us right now. We were also recently talking about the double standard at ESPN, something Merrill knows a lot about, spent yeah. a lot of time at ESPN. Merrill, I know you had a question yeah. for Clay on that. Well, Clay, I, I know you appreciate the language. I always love the language. I like the words are always intriguing to me how they're presented. Um, but you know, ESPN is now allowing, allowing <laughs> their talent to criticize the Supreme Court. I would love a a lawyer's perspective on how they are allowing them to criticize uh, the Supreme Court. You know, I thought this was actually all about sports, but I guess not now. So, I would love your insight. Yeah, Clay. look. I think if you, first of all, thanks for guest hosting. Um, and uh, I loved watching you over the years uh, for, for so long now. Look, I, I think the, I am fine with everybody having whatever opinion they want to have in the larger political sphere. Um, as long as it's not on air during a broadcast, when it's totally unrelated in many ways to the broadcast itself. Right. I think the challenge ESPN has found itself in is they, for instance, suspended Sage Steele for questioning the necessity of a mandate uh, for the COVID shot, which I think she has now been vindicated on. I don't think it made any sense at all, but they simultaneously are uh, allowing left-wing commentary on the Supreme Court decision. Now, I don't know that there are very many people who – hear a Supreme Court opinion come down and immediately think, I wonder what the 78th most important person at ESPN thinks about this Supreme Court opinion. Amen. Right? Um, I I don't think that there's that many people who care. But I do think this is where precedent matters. And you can't make a decision based on whether you agree with the political opinion somebody shares, which is something – I've been beating the drum on this for years. If you're going to fire Kurt Schilling for saying, hey, basically, I disagree with the trans bathroom bill uh, being banned, right? Like, uh, hey, I I think you should go to the bathroom of your gender on your birth certificate. You can have that opinion, right? Right. Um, If you're going to fire him for that, but you're going to allow Jamel Hill to, for instance, call the president of the United States a, a white supremacist, I think you're getting into different treatments, not based on political opinions, but based on whether they're considered to be left or right in their political nature. And I don't think you can have that standard in play. Um, And so I think what ESPN has been guilty of is a double standard, right? right? They they are fine with left-wing opinions. Uh, To my knowledge, no one has ever been fired at ESPN for having too far of a left-wing opinion, whereas people have been fired for for having what I would say is you know relatively middle of the road uh, right-wing opinions to the extent that that's even uh, you know the trans bathroom bill for instance is even classified as a as a right-wing opinion. Right. Well, that's why I was telling you know we were talking about it here, Dan and I, uh, Clay is like it, it it just starts with leadership. You know, I was there with George Bodenheimer. I don't know how well you know George Bodenheimer. 
Um, I, I thought he was – I, I like George Bodenheimer as a leader. And then other leaders that stepped in, all the things that they talked about. I mean, all this is self-inflicted where they are today. And it's from the leadership perspective. You know, that, that, that is forgotten. Um, it is not talked about. It is all about their leadership, how, how weak it is, how, um, um, how inconsistent it is, um, and just all the examples that you share um, explain that. And you can't lead like that. You cannot do that. I can tell you this is from, you know, if you establish a rule and then you're going to serve a punishment and you establish that in the very beginning and then somebody breaks that rule, but uh, it's, some, it's your best player and you don't enforce the rule, you are done as a leader. You're just done. You're done. I mean, that, that exists in sports and it exists in business. And that's exactly what ESPN, where they have faltered. It is in their leadership. It is weak and hypocritical. Well, I think, I think that's, that's well said. I also believe that we've entered into an era where people do what's best for them in terms of preserving their job, yeah, and it can often be what's worse for the company itself. So uh, yeah. I can tell you, hey, uh, back in the day, John Skipper being super left-wing as ESPN and Disney uh, were left-wing-leaning, might have been the worst possible choice that he could make for the overall ESPN brand, which is in the business of serving everybody who likes sports. Right. But it also, until he got caught in his you know, cocaine scandal, was the best thing for preserving his own employment. Right. Right. And, and I would circle back around the same way. To my knowledge, there have not been any CEOs fired for, uh, for being too left-wing. Yep. There have been a lot of CEOs fired for not genuflecting at the altar of left-wing business enough. And, you know, this all started, I think, uh, in in essence and in earnest a couple of years before Trump came into office. But I think it accelerated during the time when he was in office. And then I think COVID and George Floyd, uh, I'll give credit to my wife on this angle, she, she was asking, why do why does our pet food company need to have an opinion on BLM? <laughs> or why do I need to get in? The, if, if I've ever bought a pet food from sure. Chewy or whatever it was, why do I need to get an unsolicited email from them letting me know what they think about BLM? Like, all I care is, is your pet food going to get here? And uh, do my animals like it? Yeah. And I, I think there was this over overreaction where CEOs felt obligated to take all of these different, make all these different gestures, uh, which were not in the best interest of the brand, but probably were in the short term in the best interest of their maintaining their CEO status. And I think ESPN is a perfect example of that. Amen. Clay, I, uh, I, I, you know, for me personally, though, I, I've been waiting with bated breath for Brian Windhorst to weigh in on cocaine found in the White House. I just can't wait until that <laughs> happens, uh, just like I am with Sarah Spain weighing in on the Supreme Court ruling on affirmative action. I, I'm, I'm with you on that. Uh, I, I don't care, and the people that follow her or them, they probably all agree with her anyway, so it's, it's all ridiculous and a double think, standard. I, I also think it's, it's social media, too, right, because – and I think anybody can be guilty of this. Social media makes you think that people care about every opinion you have under the sun, uh, when in reality, that's typically not the case. And so uh, I, I just think that many people have gotten seduced into this idea. I'll give you an example. All I care about from Adam Schefter is NFL transactions. 
Right. I don't care about anything from Adam Schefter or Adrian Wojnarowski or whoever they are. If you're in the business of covering NBA or NFL transactions, I care about that from you. Um, I, I think the idea that you would care about anything else is uh, is often not true. And I think a big part of, of that is figuring out what you're in the business of. I decided a while ago, look, I'm in the opinion business. I'll give you my opinion on anything. Uh, I don't claim to be an X's and O's expert. Uh, I don't claim to be uh, someone who is going to break uh, the latest news about uh, who is uh, getting a contract. But I'm in the opinion business. So I'm going to give you my opinion on a variety of topics and sort of what OutKick is in the business of. Um, but I, I think a lot of people don't understand what their business is. And that oftentimes can create uh, conflict when it comes to social media. Clay, I think some of the, you know, and you're right, you are in the opinion business and people care a lot more about your opinions on a lot of issues, some serious, some not. But I find that some of the least serious issues, and you've done this before, you know, tweeting things out or observing something or posting a video. You know, I even think back to the uh, cat fight video at Steeplechase, a, a horse race here in Nashville one time. Those are the things that get the biggest interaction at times in a funny and surprising way. Example, over the weekend, my daughter is going back and watching all these Disney movies from the 90s. And she's now on the Honey, I Shrunk the Kids series. And she wanted to watch the third sequel to Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, which is Honey, We Shrunk Ourselves. And I'm here to tell you it is the worst film I've ever seen in my life. I mean, it was the worst written, worst special effects, everything. And I tweeted about that. And the amount of people passionately agreeing or disagreeing with me based on Honey, We Shrunk Ourselves, which up until this weekend I did not know was even a movie, fascinates me every time. I know you have countless examples of that, Clay, where you're surprised by people's reaction to some silly opinion you have on something crazy. I was just about um, – I haven't seen that that film. Uh, it's called a film, not uh, even I a movie. I love calling it's that the movie a film. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I just uh, – my kids – uh, just had raising canes at the, uh, at the house, right? They wanted chicken tenders. So I was upstairs doing my show. I came down and just had raising canes. I think it's the second time we've had raising canes in the household. <laughs> I have no relationship by the way, with any fast food company. So this is, <laughs> I'm going to tweet in a little bit later. I think that raising canes is better than Zaxby's and I like it better than the Zaxby's sauce, the raising cane sauce. I think it's going to set off a nuclear explosion in my mentions, right? Like, uh, so in my power rankings, I am going to put Raising Cane's for chicken tenders above Zaxby's, and I think it's just going to uh, to unleash holy hell in the mentions, right? Um, and, uh, and and anyway, yes, it is funny um, how committed people can become. Uh, I watched the new Indiana Jones movie with my eight year old and twelve year old over the weekend. Uh, and I gave a review, a tweet. That's not like I wrote a lot or anything. Uh, but then I ranked the Indiana Jones movies one to five. And there was massive debate in the mentions uh, and has been uh, surrounding that since I talked about it on the radio show today about how people would rank um, the, uh, the Indiana Jones movies. I like debate like that where it's not really that serious. And you know me pretty well at this point with Ro. I mean, I don't care if people agree or disagree with me on anything. And it doesn't really impact in any way my ability to have a beer with somebody or enjoy hanging out with them or watch a game. Um, People that get super fired up 
on social media that in real life would never actually get fired up. And so um, I, I think just so much of the world today is completely artificial. Um, and uh, and I, I think we're so steeped in artificiality that oftentimes, even if people disagree with you, uh, they crave um, a sense of, of realness. I mean, we had Chris Christie on the show today, who's running for president of the United States. And I don't agree with everything he says, but he answered our questions directly and told us exactly what he thinks. And I think that's so rare in politics that there is a breath of fresh air sometimes that comes through, even if you disagree with somebody, because you don't feel like you're being disrespected in the way that you're an- they're answering your questions. Clay, I'm now rushing to uh, Twitter to try to find your ranking of Indiana Jones films. Uh, because I watched The Last Crusade over the weekend. I will watch the new one this next weekend. So no spoilers. I'll go read your spoiler-free review and read your rankings as well. Clay, always great having you on the show every single week. I appreciate it, man. Have a great rest of the week. Yeah, I appreciate you sitting in, Merrill. Y'all have a good rest of the show. Thanks, Clay. Yeah, I, I, um, I'm guessing without even seeing his rankings that he will rank this newest one fourth out of five based on reviews that I've seen, which are very mixed. Some people are saying it's a good movie on its own. It's just right. not a great Indiana Jones movie. Uh, I'll be the I judge of that. I didn't know that was out. So now that, it's, it was that out this weekend, so I'm going to go <laughs> on Sunday with my dad. Uh, we both love Indiana Jones movies. We'll go watch it together. Uh, we will not be talking Indiana Jones, or may, where will we? We're going to get weird. We don't know what we're going to be talking about. That's next on Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. I've tried desperately and cannot find Clay Travis's definitive Indiana Jones film ranking, uh, but I'll effort that during the next break and try to get it. I will go see the new Indiana Jones film with my dad, Tom Withrow, this upcoming weekend. I'll have my own review on the show. And you said that just came out. Next week. Just came out this weekend. It's funny so because who's, who's I think the, it who's did. Who's the Indiana Jones guy? It did. It's, Indiana, it's Harrison it's Ford. Harrison oh, yeah. Ford. Harrison Ford. Oh, yeah. No, really? I think. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this is the last one he's doing. I think that it wow. did sixty-five million dollars, almost eighty. I think he's seventy-eight. Really? Um, it did sixty-five million dollars, <laughs> and that's seen as a a big disappointment. <laughs> Which oh, really? is, I mean, today's <clears throat> box office is pretty good, mm-hmm. but for what they're projecting, it's not not great. But I'll go see it this weekend and give a full review next week on the show. Can't wait to do that, and I'll throw out my ranking also top five. Now that we'll have five, my top five Indiana Jones movies. Look forward to seeing Clay's as well. This is Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow, by the way. I'm Chad Withrow. Merrill Hodge in studio with us, filling in for Jonathan Hutton, who will be back on Monday. Davey Hudson and the entire crew is here with us. And every day, we get weird, and now is that time. (laughs) And five, four, three, two, one, zero, talking now. 
Ah, love Peter Gawke. Switching it up a little bit, you know, wanting to find a good movie to kind of get us going. And obviously that one just rolled right into it. Uh, that, that movie, if you've never seen it, Strange Wilderness, Strange, Weird, you know, see the tie in there. Uh, some, some great facts, Chad. You always ask, like, where I come up with a lot of these animal facts. Uh, for instance, that movie's great uh, to rattle off a couple from this film where they do wildlife documentaries. Real, real quick, though, Davey, what is a group of whales called again? It's a pod. A pod, okay. You knew yes. that when we just threw it out last yeah. week. Well, Davey has all the animal knowledge. We, huh. we, we were talking all about right. sharks, and one well, of the Davey. quotes from Strange Wilderness is uh, sharks can be found on two places on the earth, the northern and southern hemisphere. So there that one. Uh, up, yep. yeah. oh, Meryl, you played for the Bears. They have a good bit on Bears. Uh, bears uh, apparently derive their name from the football team in Chicago. They actually had to fact check that when it was the other way around mm. in the film. Um, there have been uh, bears attack roughly 2 million salmon a year. Attacks by salmon on bears are much more rare. Um, and uh, my, When did my, this movie come out? Uh, 2008. It was a Happy Madison film. Not, so one, uh, not one salmon attack? Steve, Steve's on. Not one. I, no, I'm saying they're just much more rare. They didn't right, actually right. have the numbers. This, was all, this was all jotted down on a map uh, uh, like from PJ Mahoney. The Empire Strikes Back. This yeah. is Salmon Strikes Back. Occasionally. Yeah. Not very often. And, and the last <laughs> they'd one they, make a movie about it when it does. The last one they, they gave was... Uh, even though bears are known to attack man, uh, there have been fewer people killed by bears in all of World War One and World War Two combined. So okay. you, you can take that one to well, the bank. But, yeah. but anyway, that's uh, wow. that's that's strange. I need to go watch this you. movie now. It's 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 one of those. So well, you, what's the movie again? Str- I never, strange Wilderness. I have never seen yes. that. But no, guys, I actually uh, for the first story today, I uh, wanted to get your thoughts on this because one man is going to uh, new links to make sure he is more appealing to women. Uh, Denzel Seiger uh, down in Atlanta has decided to undergo $81,000 worth of limb lengthening surgery so that he is more appealing to women. And if this sounds like a non-invasive surgery, it certainly is not. What they have to do is they actually have to break your bones in your legs and then insert a rod and gradually stretch your legs to where you can gain uh, centimeters. They usually, which I hate the metric system. I don't know why. This guy's in Atlanta, and he's not just telling me. He said, yeah, I was at 165 centimeters. Dude, just tell me what it is in feet, uh, oh which turns God. out, I had to look it up, was five foot four. Yeah, there's, there's a video um, of him kind of undergoing all of these these surgeries because he had to do multiple surgeries. His goal is to get to 182 centimeters, which is close to five foot ten. Not quite there, but I just think the idea that you're doing this, you're spending eighty-one thousand dollars, is just a sign of low self-esteem. If if that's what you have to think, to, <clears throat> as to why women aren't going out with you is because you're not tall enough. Maybe low self-esteem. It sounds that's uh, no self-esteem. I, I just looked at that those surgeries. That's everything you try to avoid in yeah. life. That seems Having very dangerous. Like that and surgeries like that. How I've many surgeries have you had like because you're playing this? How many surgeries have you gone through? Uh, Football related. None. None. Wow. So you definitely want to avoid this. Since you avoided the football surgeries, you don't want the the limb lengthening surgery. Um, This is crazy. Now, I also, I have a friend who's pretty short who probably would have gone and done this when we were in high school, had he had the ability to at the time, to make himself taller because he hated being surrounded by taller guys all the time everywhere he went. So I can understand the level of low self-esteem that would make you think this way. But to actually take the step, Davey, to do this, 
I feel like is similar to you getting LASIK surgery to be more appealing to women. Because we all know that's the only reason you got it done, right? The LASIK surgery? Yeah, it has nothing to do with the ability to see. see? Yeah, (laughs) The sight is just secondary to being more appealing to women. I, too, have had LASIK surgery, uh, and it is. Davey will be able to testify to this. It is a game changer to not deal with glasses and contacts every day. How do you tell if somebody's had laser, LASIK surgery? Well, I just know that you, Davey has. You, okay. can, you can tell mine because like, my eyes you are could walk pretty to somebody bloodshot. And go, oh, I know you have LASIK oh, surgery. No, they, they, no, no, I, saying, I missed most of last to, week because I actually had the surgery. Yeah, to get rid of the glasses. and con- Although glasses or are you like you see better uh, now than you used to see. Glasses are kind of a selling point now, I think, uh, to, the, really? to the opposite sex. Well, they mean, like gla- glasses. So. You can buy Davey, like go a, back. How tall is that guy? He started off at like 5'4". And now he's 5'10". Close to it. And he's going to do or that's, that's his goal. His goal is his he's goal probably is about five ten. Yeah, I think he's about five foot seven right now. So he's he's still got a little ways. Could to he go. have gone so higher than a, that? Could he have said six foot two? Or that, is that impossible? I I mean I don't. I, I didn't do a deep dive yeah. to where I know exactly how long you can get. I mean, there's a rod that is simply yeah. your bone at that point to where because they can't make the bone any longer. It's just right. they got to use that rod and they can do it in the the lower leg, which I'm guessing they cut. Uh, that's your fibia, right? And your tibia is up top, or your femur's up top. I don't, I don't know enough about Gosh, bones. That, I mean, that just your that tibia. Look, that tibia so, is down low. Okay. So painful, and all the, the all the fallout, all the things that can fall out from surgery. Oh yeah, I mean, you could die on the operating and, table with this. Wow. I hope this has That's, a happy ending, and he uh, marries a, a very attractive woman. That in the end, we hear that you know she's there was this five, three. there was this woman out there who he was after for years, and, and okay. she always said, if you're not five foot eight at least. Then I will not date you, and now they're dating and married, and they have kids and grandkids and all those good things. Hopefully, there's a happy ending to this. Will there be a happy ending to any of these mm. stories? I don't know, Davey. What is the uh, next story? N- well, uh, <laughs> God, it looks there's, painful. I gotta get a new picture. That's so, terrible. Oh my god! So we have a Brazilian that? man that is leaving everything to Neymar, the Brazilian soccer star. Okay. So this guy does not get along with his family. I don't even know if he's, he's not put his name out there yet. He remains anonymous. But he says he doesn't get along with his family. So uh, he unfortunately is not in uh, good health and he is likely to die. And so he's gone ahead and had his will notarized to where when he does die, everything that he owns is left to Neymar. He just says the guy is an idol to him and that, you know, I don't get along with my family. But then in the same sentence, he also talked about how Neymar reminds him a lot like him because he is a family man, which I'm like, well, if you're a family man, you would probably be leaving something to your family, which he is not doing. Uh, again, this is probably just a ploy to get your name out there, even though he's remaining anonymous. But, I mean, we talked about Neymar last week. Mary, I wanted to get your thoughts on this. So Neymar's current fiance has given him a hall pass to just pretty much do whatever. So I figured, you know what, there's another good story just to tie in to Neymar. So he's able to sleep with whoever he wants. He just can't kiss them on the mouth, and he has to wear a condom. Yeah, he's an uh, he's, uh, uh, international soccer star, so I think his wife has just given up and saying, you know, he's going to get what he wants anyway, so here are my rules, is what she is saying. That's a true story. We have bizarre and a bizarre. Yep. We, got, we, we keep getting... <laughs> well, where do we even start? With well, this? so... I mean, Okay, the first thing that, that the, the, my first thought process that I was thinking about, okay, does this guy have anything to give? I mean, well, what's he? I mean, that's exactly well, I mean, what yeah, I'm thinking. I, I mean, yeah, he might be, he might be giving. Let him, me give you a spoiler what? alert. He has what, nothing. Ten, ten this man, I mean, this man owns dead. nothing. It could be debt. And it what he's saying is, hey, he's bitter. Really transfer he's, that to somebody that's not willing to take it on. He's poor. He's bitter, and he's saying, "I have spent all my money on you ingrates." 
all my family members, you've taken all my money, and the one person who's given me happiness in this life is Neymar when I watch him play football. football. And because of that, I'm going to give all my I'm going to give my 75 cents that it's going to be in my will to Neymar. I think this is more of a symbolic gesture than an actual money gesture, right? He's got nothing. The guy has to have nothing. That's yeah, my guess. Uh, th- and this is another thing. I-, I always say, if you hate the segment, I want you to walk away with learning something. And so just kind of going back to about the hall pass. So last week, I just I was watching Magnum P.I. because it's a great show. Uh, Tom Selleck's incredible. And great staff. I learned, I-, I put this together. Does anybody, like, I learned where the name the Magnum Condom comes from. Even though Magnum in Latin means great, the Magnum Condom was released in 1989 by Trojan, and the greatest sitcom of all time, in my opinion, was from 1980 to 1988, and it was starring Tom Selleck as Magnum P.I., and so they thought that would be a good marketing ploy, and so that is where the name The Magnum Condom I don't know that from. I would describe that show as a sitcom. That's the first time I've heard it described that is, It is not a sitcom. I, I misspoke it does, there. It does but, track. It, it makes sense. By the way, in the YouTube chat, Russell... Uh, a lot of comments coming in about your weird stories, Davey. Says this guy's wife is going to be disappointed when their son is five foot four, <laughs> um, when she marries a five foot yeah, ten you, man you, and doesn't understand the genetics there yeah. to be five foot four. Yeah, the genetics aren't changing. What's next, Davey? So finally, I wanted to read probably what's the best obituary I think I've ever come across. Oh, so right. you know, it's like, well, the that guy's dying. It's leaving all his stuff to Neymar. So I'm like, ah, let's just keep the theme rolling. Uh, so this guy, James Loveless, we got a picture of him right here. I mean, it's a, I think his family chose a beautiful picture uh, to put on the obit where it he's in the water. probably sums up his life, the real yeah. spirit of this guy. Uh, but um, I'll, I'll just read it to you right now. So born and raised in Kentucky in 1963, a state that has been recently leaning toward more liberal values, we might add Jamie, a divorcee, father, grandfather, and proud owner of a few lots in the trailer park, had had enough and up and died on us June 13th. As a gluttonous eater of fried foods and snack cakes, as well as the occasional chili cheese dog, James tried in vain to give up the ghost by clogging his arteries and having a stroke in 2015. His twin boys, Rocky and Rodney, great names for kids, uh, just like two of them back then, it's I don't know, it's a, just Rocky, Rodney, you know, they're just keeping that, that R theme going, uh, had other plans and made him go to the hospital. While waiting in the ER at the hospital, he was heard saying, Let's make a break for it, only to be heard by one of the hospital staff and forced to go through the procedure. He wasn't too excited about the prospect, but went anyway. On many occasions in life, James was seen in his backyard at the trailer park during the early hours of the morning, hammering beers, standing over country-style ribs, and yelling, it's got a head like a cat on it. I still don't know what half the stuff means. (laughs) While nearby neighbors would peek out their windows, bearing looks of disgust and amazement. As his party guests were slurring remarks about needing to speed up his cooking style, We've been here since 5 o'clock. They would say, I've got work in the morning. We don't know if he was married, but he definitely was a ladies' man. There was Kathy, Mary Lou, Tammy, Deborah, Carrie, Tina, etc., etc. It's the bones, he told us, as proudly pointed his skinny, pasty white legs. Women love a good shin. See, going back, tied that back in with the guy. Back to the tibia. Yep, yep. Back to the tibia. We think we might even have some females waiting for him on the other side. Jamie loved his family more than anything else in the world except ice-cold bush Room temperature, bush, T-bones, New York strip, prime rib shrimp, swimming, poker, hatchback Mustang, uh, Mustang GTs, tank tops, Kentucky men's basketball, and his personal copy of Eddie Murphy's Raw. And finally, he leaves behind his second favorite son, Rocky Loveless of Arizona City, Arizona, his favorite son, Rodney Loveless of Science Hill, Kentucky, a young brother, Joey, an unofficial daughter, Melissa. Vance of the trailer park, as well as a pair of old boxers, which have Buttweiser, the king of rears, printed on the design. He will be moderately missed. Unofficial daughter? That, wait, wait, that wait, one wait. jumped out to me. 
That's the obituary. I, the writers that's, that's of the Joe obituary. Dirt wrote this obituary. I'm, I'm convinced. I've never seen an obituary over a paragraph. Yeah, that was that's that was a, a very detailed. He had some money to spend on the obituary, maybe the extra space in the local newspaper. I got to be honest with some you, some of his a, that, uh, will money just, went that way. That's just a mic drop. We go to commercial break. Absolutely. So <laughs> also add to that that's the picture. Like, if we can show the picture one more time of James Loveless, what really makes me laugh is the fact that not only is it a picture of him in a pool, but it appears to be like an apartment pool. It's not even a nice pool. If you look in the backdrop, it's clearly a pool. That is a public pool at an apartment complex somewhere. I got to be I, I think it all you. perfectly sums up James, and that is definitely the perfect obituary. Davey, thank you so much. Yeah. You always bring the weirdness, and we appreciate it. James looks stressed right there in that picture. Real stressed. Yeah. The stress could have led to the, all the heart issues. That and the fried food and the chili dogs That's probably and, moments and everything before else. The obituary so, came out. Michael Jordan has addressed his son's relationship uh, with Scottie Pippen's ex-wife. Tiger Woods has addressed the Live PGA merger, or did he really? Why is it a headline? We'll discuss all this, plus Merrill's top six running backs in the NFL. That's coming up next.